Welcome to Perfecting Motion, Tribology, and the Quest for Sustainability, a new STLE podcast series that talks with industry professionals about current issues and trends impacting the global tribology and lubricants community. Here's your host, Neil Cantor, STLE advisor, technical programs and services. My thanks to Dr. Peter Lee for hosting episode 10. We're now on to episode 11 in our quest for sustainability in the series Perfecting Motion, Tribology and the Quest for Sustainability. We've been looking at various topics involving efficiency, saving energy, and reducing emissions. But one topic area that we've not covered and really deserves attention is human sustainability. And one aspect is looking at what we eat and can steps be taken to improve the availability of healthier foods. This brings us to the topic of chocolate and what Tribology is doing to potentially help produce a healthier version of chocolate. For those of you who are chocolate lovers and listening for the first time, welcome. In making my last comment, Tribology is not looking to eliminate the chocolate you love and enjoy, whether it is milk chocolate, dark chocolate, even white chocolate, or the variety of foods that uh, chocolate is involved in, found in candy bars, ice cream, cake, etc. Rather, the purpose of this episode is to examine what Tribology can do to help produce a healthier version of chocolate without sacrificing the taste you enjoy. To further define Tribology, for those of you not familiar with the term, Tribology is the study of the science and engineering of interacting surfaces in relative motion. And in looking at the Tribology of eating chocolate, the surfaces being examined are the chocolate itself and the human tongue. Now that we have your attention, and hopefully do not have you too conscious of what is occurring when you eat your next piece of chocolate, we're fortunate to have an expert who has been studying the tribology of eating chocolate. So welcome to Dr. Siavash Sultan Hamadi, Research Fellow at the University of Leeds in the UK. Sia, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so let's start with what led you to, to want to study the process of eating chocolate? Yeah, definitely. So well, as you mentioned, basically, exactly, uh, that was a great opening saying that obviously we don't want to eliminate any kind of a pleasure we are receiving with eating chocolates and things. But the main aim is obviously to make them a bit more healthy and target them towards some vulnerable people who can't really eat much of the chocolates. Coming to what led us basically to conduct this study, just an introduction, chocolate is a composite of three main components, which are sugar crystals, cocoa butter and cocoa solid particles. So there has been a promising body of literature around the flow behavior of chocolates and their crystallinity to obtain the optimum melting temperature. And there were also some evidences that showing the high cocoa particle solid content concentration in dark chocolates can cause grittiness. So that's something that we don't really want to have. But in terms of texture of the chocolates and understanding the relationship between different stages of eating, we didn't have much of the information. We didn't know much about this, basically. Eating and how we perceive food in general are uh, complex processes. We expected that the cocoa butter, which is the oily part of the chocolates, to generate the silky nature of chocolates. We all love 
But how this oily part interacts with tongue and palate, the upper surface of our mouth, at different stages of eating was missing. Basically, we didn't have much of information on these. This was the first reason to study chocolate, which was basically the understanding side of it. The second part was that so we can come up with ideas to produce chocolate with less oily content, but to keep the nutritious solid cocoa parts still inside the chocolate. Obviously, with minimum compromise on the silky and creamy texture of the chocolate. But obviously, the last reason is also we all love chocolates and working with chocolate is, it would be fun. So that, that was one of the other reasons as well. Good, thank you. I, I, I assume one of the issues and concerns with eating chocolate, and you mentioned the oiliness of, of cocoa butter, is the fact that it is a fat, and that's where we're getting the issues about unhealthiness, correct? You want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, that's fine. I mean, to be honest, I don't want to label the fatty part of chocolate being unhealthy. But obviously, having less fat in any kind of a, a food would reduce the calorie intake, which is beneficial. But obviously, in chocolate, we have got cocoa-solid particles, which are quite nutritious. They have got phenolic components, which are basically essentially they are quite beneficial to our health okay so let's go to the aspect and bring in tribology how does tribology assist with understanding the process of eating chocolate we go through a process of eating chocolate when did you describe process of eating chocolate and how tribology is involved here yeah, so basically the creamy and silky nature of chocolates, these can be quantified by its rheological and tribological behavior. So rheology is the flow behavior of any kind of a food system. In eating, tongue and palates are in contact and food is interposed basically between these two, the palate and the tongue. And as a result, it's a kind of a tribological contact. So we have got contact pressure, we have got fluid in between, and the food acts as a lubricant between surfaces. Understanding the lubrication behavior of chocolates can be correlated to its textural mouthfeel and friction. And basically, this frictional behavior is a measure to quantify these textural basic attributes. At the moment, there are some empirical equations to correlate some food attributes, such as, for example, a slipperiness, smoothness, creaminess. These can be correlated with the frictional measurements, but these, these are all mostly produced through some human sensory trials. These depend on human trials, and therefore they're objective. So this depends on how people would interact with those food. We need to come up with some robust methodologies uh, to independently assess the food attributes and quantify them with tribological methods. So th this needs tools, which include a special, obviously, tribological setups and contact surfaces or materials, which have some realistic properties to what we have in mouths, for example, artificial tongues or palates. Okay, so one definition for those on the tribology side is you brought up the term in what we've seen in, in, in reading your study of oral tribology. So describe what oral tribology is and how that factors in here for the tribologists in the audience. Yes, so the, as it is probably referred by its name, it's oral tribology is tribology about anything happening in oral system or basically associated with our mouth. So oral tribology involves studying the frictional uh, properties of food, which mainly has four objectives, or let's put it in this way, has got four applications. First is designing healthier colloids or hydrocarbons or food systems, basically by identifying the correlation between sensory attributes and frictional response of food. 
Second is detecting food adulteration. So basically any kind of contamination to the food, for example, toxins in food. And third is the tailoring food for vulnerable population or improving already relevant health condition. For example, one good example here is dry mouth, which is also known, uh, known as xerostomia. Uh, Basically, some people having health conditions receiving some treatments like radiotherapy, uh, they would suffer with that. So we can, Tribology would help with producing some therapeutic agents which would relieve that dry mouth or some other health conditions. And the fourth and the last probably is the contributing to achieve food sustainability. For example, most of the researchers in food science, they're working, they're trying to come up with some plant proteins and also some plant-based food system with less additives into it. Okay, good. So let's talk a little bit more about chocolate and itself. Uh, you've mentioned that chocolate is a phase transfer material. For those generically, what is the phase transfer material and how does chocolate a phase transfer material? Yeah, so in, in general, probably we can call any material to be a phase transition, isn't a phase changing material, isn't it? Depending on the temperature and pressure. But some materials can change their phase state when they are subjected to these external stimuli. These stimuli can be heat, pressure, contact, or other external environmental factors. We have many examples, for example, ice, which will melt when it's subjected to sunlight, or when we are skiing, basically the ski blade, that surface, the, that heat and the, uh, the friction uh, induced by that, the ski blades would melt the snow as well, so that would change the phase of the snow to water. And this phase change can happen during application, for example, in the skiing, as mentioned, or gas also in our refrigerator or air conditioning systems as well. Chocolate is a good example for food system. It, the chocolate undergoes a such phase transfer when it's subjected to the body temperature and also movement of tongue and palate, basically that shear experienced by chocolate when we are eating it. Such phase change food systems are quite difficult to study because the state of the food will be different from first point of contact when chocolate is introduced or enters into our mouth to the latest stage, uh, which would be a kind of a what we call bolus, which is a mix of a saliva with the chocolate, is in a liquid state before we swallow the food. Chocolate, as we mentioned, will be a solid at first, but then it would be converted into a molten state if it melts. And then at the last stage, it would be an emulsion, which is a kind of a liquid before swallowing. And for those of you not familiar with emulsion, think about milk. Milk is an emulsion uh, standpoint. And the other thing to think about in the phase change is think about all the summers you spent uh, whether it be by the beach, outside in the park, eating a piece of chocolate, chocolate ice cream, it melts, it gets all over your hands, a thicky, gooey mess, if you will. There's a phase change, the phase transfer. That's an example, real world, that I think all of us have dealt with, whether with chocolate or some other type of food from that standpoint. So uh, I think one of the other things I wanted to do before I get into the, how you did your study is there are different types of chocolate. So why did you work with dark chocolate specifically in the study that you were doing that we're talking about? That's right, yes. Yeah. So generally people prefer having a milk with what we call high-fat chocolates as a snack, especially kids, obviously. But we know that dark chocolates are essentially have more uh, health benefits simply because they have higher content of cocoa solids and less cocoa butter and also less sugar inside them. But often dark chocolates are perceived as to be gritty, 
pasty or mouth coating. So these are kind of attributes people don't like, uh, and then they, that would prevent them from having dark chocolates. And they're not welcome, basically by consumers. We decided to base our study on dark chocolates and understanding the lubrication mechanism governing different stages of eating. This understanding obviously because we could provide information for the design of the dark chocolates which we could keep the healthy contribution of dark chocolates but reduces the unpleasant attribute of the dark chocolate for example the grittiness. So by this means basically we would have a kind of a more healthy chocolate and everybody would prefer to have them as well. So that was the main reason going for dark chocolates firstly. Okay. So talk in general terms about how you did your study in looking at eating chocolate. You looked at four different types of dark chocolate. Talk in general terms about what you did and what you found in terms of doing this as it progressed from having solid chocolate to, shall we say, an emulsion when the saliva got involved as you were eating the chocolate to digestion. Sure. First of all, uh, I want to mention uh, eating and oral processing. It's quite a very complex process, to be honest. So uh, obviously, uh, smelling the aroma, the other like a sense of the feel of the food as well is quite important. We are mostly looking into the textural behavior of food system. So in this term, we define three main stages of eating, especially for chocolates. Uh, often mastication or eating of luxury chocolates, that's what we came up with. Uh, it starts with leaking. It's essentially a tribological contact of solid chocolates against tongue. So it is governed by solid lubrication principles. The second stage we defined was the where the chocolate melts in mouth due to the body temperature and the mouth movement, as we mentioned earlier as well. And the last is where the molten chocolate is mixed with the biological fluid in mouth, which is called saliva. Saliva is mostly water with some proteins in it. So mixing with saliva brings about a new phase actually, which is, as you mentioned, is also is an emulsion. So it's an oil in water emulsion. So essentially it consists of oil droplets from the chocolate in continuous phase or matrix of saliva, which is the liquid part of it. Also, most of the previous oral tribological studies were conducted with a simple ball on disc tribological setup. So very, very generic, very general, which was quite useful for traditional tribology, but it's not really very relevant to the oral tribology. So we knew this doesn't represent the real conditions in oral perspectives. So in this study, we used an artificial tongue to understand the mechanism in macro uh, scale, basically full tongue scale. And also we use a probe which mimics a single uh, popular. So popular is basically a roughness or a bump, if you like, on our tongue, because our tongue is not smooth, has got some textural behavior. And we developed this artificial tongue in our previous studies, and it mimics basically the surface texture, vetability, and deformability of real human tongue. We wanted to understand the relationship between the each stages, so as we mentioned, three stages, leaking, molten, and emulsion phase, and also different scales as well, so single popular and the full tongue as well. So this would pinpoint basically the lubrication mechanism at each stage basically. So what did you see? I think you talk a little bit about as you progress from a solid state where you're talking about chocolate as a solid lubricant to a, an emulsion where you're looking at more of a water, oil and water system where water is a continuous phase. What happens to the friction? What happens to the frictional effects as you progress from one state to another? 
Sure. So what we found in our study was that the cocoa butter, which is the oily part, uh, facilitates the lubricity at all stages. So regardless of being in a leaking stage, it would be a fatty part, which is kind of a solid fat part of the chocolate, which is a still is a cocoa butter. And it, when it melts as well, the oily part, the cocoa butter does the lubricity. So in leaking and the molten stages, the first two stages, the surface fat is enough to provide that lubricity. But coming to the last stage, which was the emulsion, so in this case, the coalescence of oil droplets in this emulsion, coalescence means that make the smaller oil droplets becomes bigger, so they merge into each other and make bigger oil droplets. So these coalescence of oil droplets, they would interpose between the contact surfaces now at the interface of that single populi and provides the lubricity. So this preferential interposition of oil droplets means that we don't really need much of a significant amount of cocoa butter to exist in the body of the chocolate, basically deeper into the chocolate. So this basically led us to propose a kind of a new design strategy, which would involve a kind of a multi-layer chocolate design. Can you talk a little bit further about that as you as you wrote from your study? What do you mean by multi-layer design uh, in terms of that? What effect will that have on eating the chocolate and how difficult will that be to make, if you will? Yeah, sure. So basically the multi-layer, so as we spoke, so the having the more fat onto the surface would provide that lubricity in the leaking and the molten stage. And we don't need that the bulky oil into the deeper chocolate to provide that lubricity in the emulsion phase. So the multi-layer we came up was to having more fat, more cocoa butter onto the top surfaces and gradually layer by layer increasing the amount of solid cocoa particles which have got the health benefits deeper into the chocolate. So by this means we would have kind of a healthier chocolate with a minimum compromise on the textural behavior of the chocolates. And in terms of difficulties at the moment we are in dialogue with some chocolate producers. We are trying to come up with the manufacturing processes to produce such chocolates. Uh, we expect this to be a, a obviously challenging thing to do, but we think this strategy should have minimum impact on that creamy and silky nature of chocolates. So would this apply not just to dark chocolate, but also to milk chocolate, white chocolate, any other form of chocolate? That would be definitely. So basically, if this happens, then we shouldn't really categorize chocolate as a dark chocolate or a creamy chocolate. So we can have a chocolate which has got higher amount of cocoa solids, which is essentially is what we call it dark chocolate, but having the same taste or textural creaminess of the milky chocolates. Okay, so I see so you're merging them from that standpoint, yeah. just to basically yeah. a, a healthier chocolate. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's uh, something to consider. And uh, finishing up here, are you looking at other types of foods as you look through here, subject to world tribology, You've been focused on chocolate. Are there other food areas where you may be looking to do a similar redesign in the future? 
Sure. In general, the fat content in food, uh, that appears to show the more desirable textural behavior of the food. So at the moment, two strategies exist. One is to find fat replacers. For example, we produce some protein microgels, which can act as a fat replacer. So that would reduce the amount of the fat in food system. The second one is what we propose in this study, which was the kind of engineer design of the food system with the existing fat, which in this case is a cocoa butter. So we think engineer design of the fat containing food uh, that basically can be included into the different food system, such as cheese and ice cream. So, which is our plan as well in future to study on ice cream and cheese as well. Our current objectives at the moment is to further improve the conditions towards realistic oral conditions with the help of advanced microscopy and custom-made trilogical setups. Although we, until now, we produce the most realistic conditions, so I would say in closest condition to the real mouth, but it needs further work. But obviously, after having these setups and advanced visualizing tools as well, this would allow us to do similar studies on cheese, yogurt, and ice creams, mostly dairy uh, um, food systems. Okay, well, listen, Sia, thank you very much uh, for your time. I think for everybody out there, this is uh, something for all of us to chew on, if you will, particularly when we have our next piece of chocolate and some other foods, if you will. And for those of you from the tribology side who are interested in learning more technically about what SIA did, I would refer you to my Tech Beat column, the August 2023 issue of TLT. Will there be a, a technical article on the work that SIA and his colleagues did on chocolate? So, SIA, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here and a fantastic discussion. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Perfecting Motion, Tribology, and the Quest for Sustainability, brought to you by the Society of Tribologists and Lubrication Engineers, the premier technical society serving the tribology and lubrication industry. STLE's mission is to advance the science of tribology and the practice of lubrication engineering in order to foster innovation, improve the performance of equipment and products, conserve resources, and protect the environment. STLE supports its members with a variety of technical, educational, and professional development resources and programs. To learn more about STLE, please visit our website at www.stle.org.